Hello, this is Bill Stricker, and I want to welcome you to another edition of Carolina's AGC's BuilderCast. Today, we'll be discussing some of the important health questions contractors are facing in this current COVID-19 crisis. Our subject matter expert today is Sonia Connor with McGriff Insurance Services. Sonia is responsible for delivering and directing risk solutions through a specialized team of consultants and risk engineers. As a risk control consultant for McGriff Insurance Services, Sonia Connor works with clients to identify areas of risk and coordinate strategies to control and reduce these risks. Drawing from her extensive experience in healthcare management and consulting, um, she brings specialized expertise to various healthcare and social services organizations, including senior living facilities, hospitals, medical offices, social services, nonprofit organizations, home health care agencies, and child care facilities. Prior to joining McGriff Insurance Services, she worked in various leadership roles in healthcare and has more than 25 years of experience in healthcare risk management. She serves as a guest speaker and has presented risk management topics for various client state association meetings. She's a graduate of Gardner Webb University. Sonia earned her bachelor's degree in nursing. She holds a designation as a certified professional in healthcare risk management and is a member of the American Society of Healthcare Risk Management. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Bill. Thank you for joining us today uh, as our guest. And I understand that before we get started um, with our discussion here, uh, that you have a statement that you need to read. Thanks, Bill. Yes, we are a risk management company, so we are required to uh, have our disclaimer that our attorneys require. Um, it's this information analyzes a, a analysis, opinions, and or recommendations contained herein related to the impact or the potential impact of coronavirus COVID-19 on insurance coverage or any insurance policy is not a legal opinion, warranty or guarantee, and should not be relied on as, a, as such. This communication is intended for the information use only. As insurance agents or brokers, we do not have the authority to render legal advice or to make any coverage decisions, and you should submit all claims to your insurance carrier for evaluation. Given the ongoing and constantly changing situation in respect to coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic, this communication does not necessarily reflect the latest information regarding recently enacted pending or proposed legislation or guidance that could override, alter, or otherwise, otherwise affect existing insurance coverage. At your discretion, please consult with an attorney at your own expense for specific advice in this regard. And Thanks, thank Bill. you. Yes, and that's good advice. And uh, this podcast is just for information purposes only. So today we are going to be talking about um, some specific things that um, are related to the uh, health and safety of contractors' employees. So, Sonia, what are some of the things or what are some of the key things that contractors can be doing to help keep their employees protected while they're on the job site during this 
COVID-19 crisis? Some of the key things I would recommend is obviously just keep your, uh, your employees educated. Educate them on the current CDC guidance that we've all heard about, such as hand washing, practicing social distancing, staying at home when you're sick, uh, making sure they're covering their mouth, their nose when they are coughing and sneezing. And also, contractors should consider uh, keeping hand sanitizers and hand wipes on the job site with at least 60% uh, alcohol um, uh, or distributing those supplies to their workers. Um, and if there are, if, if the job site doesn't have hand washing facilities, that's a really crucial piece is that they do have those hand sanitizers and hand wipes. Also having a good cleaning and disinfecting um, procedures in place based on what the CDC recommends, using um, EPA approved solutions, and those are also linked from the, yeah, from the CDC website uh, to make sure that they're um, sanitizing tools and cleaning sur uh, working surfaces. Um, and, and you know, the key to, to, to that is also following those manufacturer recommendations because uh, many of those wipes and sprays and things may say, leave it on the surface for two minutes. So I see a lot of people cleaning, but they just may do a little quick wipe over. So making sure they're following the manufacturer's recommendations is a key thing. Um, and also the frequently touched items such as, um, you know, shared work tools, equipment, any kind of handrails or doorknobs, uh, those are the, the key things. And if, if multiple uh, workers are using the same tools, to clean in between those tools is another good thing to consider. That all sounds like excellent advice. So let's deal a little bit more about uh, what about on the job site? Are there some recommendations uh, that you can give uh, for contractors to follow specifically on the job site? Yeah, I mean, if they can, reduce the number of work crews if possible to work one work area. Um, also, minimize interaction between work teams if possible. So they could do that by staggering the shift, um, having different work teams work on different days, uh, spreading out projects um, so that multiple teams aren't working on the same project at the same time. Um, Avoiding contact with visitors. If, if you know that you've got an inspector coming or a material delivery team's coming, um, having a way for uh, the, the team to know, or your workers to know to evacuate or to va vacate, I guess you could say, um, the, the, the job site while they're there doing their inspections or delivering the, the uh, materials. Um, also, if there is, um, particular jobs or tasks that require multiple um, workers or, or even two workers um, to try to help them maintain six foot distance between each other if possible um, and that would include you know providing them with with face masks or face shields based on what the task is or even having them kind of face away from each other if at all possible um, if there's any work um, that can be done like paperwork that can be done remotely allowing allowing for that that's another key thing um, things like safety meetings um, I'm you know I know that that's a crucial part of making sure that everyone's safe but if you can have those safety meetings uh, remotely um, or um, by phone that kind of thing that would also help and you know workers tend to congregate during meals reminding them to, to make sure that they're maintaining 
uh, social distancing during their breaks and those kind of things, as well as if there is tasks that they know are going to need to be completed that day on the work site, if they kind of talk through that before they get started on how they can best social distance and, and keep themselves safe prior to starting that job uh, task would be really beneficial. Again, all good advice. Sonia, we've been hearing a lot about face masks recently. Uh, should contractors really consider uh, requiring or issuing face masks uh, to their employees and asking them to wear them all the time? Well, on, CD on April the uh, 3rd, the CDC did update its guidance about face masks and, well, about face um, cloth coverings. Um, there was an update issued by them, and it talks about in public settings where you can't really social distance, such as grocery stores uh, or pharmacies and that kind of thing, where it's kind of difficult to do that. Um, and that's not your typical face mask like you see uh, doctors and, and those kind of, or, you know, even uh, construction workers wearing. This is just more of a, a face covering with a, with a piece of cloth. Um, and those are intended to try to help protect people maybe who have the virus, don't know they have the virus, um, and it helps them to stop or not to stop, but to hopefully slow the spread or pre prevent them from transmitting it to others. Um, now, that doesn't mean that the employers have to provide face coverings in, in work situations. But it may be prudent to do so, especially when you know you've got some tasks that's going to require a bunch of workers in one area or, or multiple workers working on one task in a close proximity. Um, so that may be prudent to provide them in those types of scenarios and, in, or, and or encourage them to, to wear their cloth ones that they've got from home um, that you see people wearing when you're out at Walmart or wherever you may be. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question kind of in that area. Um, we're hearing a lot about this community spread and obviously keeping people safe on the job site. Um, so should contractors be um, screening their employees before they allow them on the job site? Uh, should they be filling out a questionnaire? And I know a lot of people are interested in um, uh, whether they should be taking people's temperatures. What's your advice there? Well, I always recommend to check with the local health department because, um, the, you know, the CDC says that local conditions are going to obviously influence uh, what the recommendations are in the particular area. Every state and even counties are different. Um, so the local health officials are, um, you know, they're, they're better prepared to make decisions regarding the community level strategies for a particular area. Um, in communities with minimal to moderate spread, um, the CDC does consider regular health checks such as temperatures or respiratory symptom screening of staff and visitors before entering job sites. Um, if an employer is considering doing daily screening of workers to include taking a temperature, it would be best to use um, a touchless thermometer such as the forehead temporal artery type thermometers so there's no one, so the person that's taking the temperature doesn't actually have to come in contact uh, with, the, with the workers entering the job site. Um, um, if, you, if there is a need or all you have is an oral thermometer, the key there is to make sure you're cleaning those thermometers 
based on manufacturer's recommendations between each employee. Um, and if you don't have employees, I mean, have thermometers on the job site at all, another consideration is just having those uh, employer self-monitor, taking those temps before they come to work each day, um, and then reporting that when they, um, when they get to the job site. So yeah, a lot of employers are concerned about privacy rights of their employees. And I have heard uh, that if you take someone's temperature, that could be a violation of the American Disabilities Act. Is, is that true? Well, generally speaking, prior to the, um, the pandemic, the EEOC stance on taking temperatures uh, was they considered that a medical examination under ADA. Um, and, and then they were saying that they really shouldn't take temperatures unless it was um, job related or consistent with business necessity. However, um, the EEOC did issue updated guidance on March 18th about allowing employers to take employees' temperature without violating the ADA um, uh, just as a result of this pandemic. Um, there, but they did also caution employers in that, in that guidance that, you know, uh, that people with COVID-19 don't always have a fever. So that's not always a, a sure thing that if they if they don't have a fever, that they don't have COVID-19. Well, what would be your recommendations if uh, someone does um, have a fever? Well, the CDC says that anyone with a fever above 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit should be sent home. Um, so if you, and they, or they shouldn't come to work if they're taking their temp at home. Um, so they really uh, should send those people home um, have those employees self-monitor their symptoms at home, and, and then they should call their doctor or use telemedicine if their symptoms are of concern to them. Otherwise, they can just stay at home as if, you know, they when you have the flu and you want to just stay home and rest, if you um, are not having any symptoms that concern you, you could just stay home. You know, you don't really even have to contact your physician. It's kind of up to the person. They know their body and when they should really reach out to the doctor. Um, and then, you know, I get a lot of questions about when can that person return to work if they were um, running a, a fever. Um, and if they've had no fever for at least three consecutive days without taking any medication to reduce their fever, such as Advil or Tylenol, um, and they've had an improvement in any respiratory symptoms, such as cough or shortness of breath for three days, along with having at least seven days have passed since their symptoms began. Um, so that's meaning if you started having cough, you know, three, four days ago before you started having a fever, then you would count back that day when you when it comes to the seventh day, if that makes sense. That does make sense. You know, one of the things in construction that we're we focus on is making certain that our employees go home safely every day. And we hear so much about this, um, the idea of community spread. So what advice can you give employees about steps that they can take uh, or they can educate their employees about things that they can do to help prevent community spread when they do go home at the end of the day? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, some of the preventative steps that we talked about earlier, uh, you know, washing their hands frequently, avoiding touching their eyes, their, their nose, their mouth, staying home when they're sick. Um, covering their cough, their sneeze with a tissue, making sure they're throwing those tissues away um, in, you know, in a trash can. 
um, cleaning and disinfecting frequently touched areas, even at home, doorknobs, uh, those type things. And, and consider cleaning and washing items that they wear or take take to and from work every day, such as their lunchbox, uh, their safety vest, hard hats, um, any of those items, giving them a good cleaning every day if they're going back and forth to work, um, that helps you know prevent the spread to to their loved ones at home as well as to their coworkers at work. Um, obviously practicing social distancing. Um, if they're leaving their home to get essentials such as groceries, wearing those face uh, mask or, or, or cloth coverings on their face is also a great um, thing to practice. Now, if there's a sick person in their home, that they should really follow the same preventative actions that we just talked about, but they need to make sure that the person who's sick is kept in a separate room from others in that household, keeping surfaces in, you know, in and around the, in the home really dis disinfected, clean frequently, um, avoiding sharing any personal items with those sick folks, uh, washing face masks daily. If they're using a cloth covering for their face, uh, washing those on a daily basis and then storing them in a clean bag, like a Ziploc would be great when they're not in use. That sounds great. Um, now certainly we absolutely hope that no one uh, contracts this uh, virus, but what if an employee were to test positive for COVID-19? Um, when can they return to work? It's very similar, actually, to the ones that just were running a fever. So they need to wait three days. Um, you know, they need to go three days without a fever um, that hasn't, you know, that that they didn't have to use a fever reducing medication such as Tylenol or Advil. Um, they've had an improvement in their respiratory symptoms such as, you know, cough, shortness of breath. And then at least seven days have passed since the symptoms, like I mentioned before, or that they've had two consecutive negative tests. And in those type situations, if they've been tested and they know they were a positive, um, a lot of times based on the testing supplies in their area, um, you know, they may be tested again. And that, you know, their physician or medical provider would probably be kind of directing that process at that time. I understand. Um, and there's a lot of questions about a doctor's note. Um, are doctor's notes required for an employee to return to work? Yeah, really the CDC is recommending not to require uh, a, a, a positive test doc for the doctor's note, a healthcare provider's note for employers who are employees who are sick to validate their illness, to qualify for sick leave or to return to work. Um, it, it's why, that's why I really encourage employers to kind of stay in contact with their workers to help make sure they're following the criteria for returning to work. Uh, the healthcare system is just so bogged down right now with everything that's going on. You know, the CDC really recommends just not to require those doctor's notes. Okay, very good. And finally, um, if um, someone were to test positive, um, what should a contractor do about the other workers that have, may, have been exposed to that person on the job site? Any advice there? Yeah, sure. The key thing there is just to act quickly, um, to minimize the spread by, by finding out who on the job site the, the affected worker had been in cl close contact with uh, in the last two weeks. 
um, close contact is defined as a person um, that's been within six feet of the infected employee for a prolonged period of time, <clears throat> such as 15 minutes at, at one time. Um, also, once they've identified those workers, vendors, subcontractors, um, without disclosing the infected employee's identity, they would want to advise them that an employee that um, at the work site that they've been in close contact has tested positive for the virus. Um, and then therefore, out of abundance of, of caution, the company would be would need to request that those folks stay home for the next 14 days at a minimum and encourage them to self-quarantine um, for any kind of symptoms <clears throat> and that type of thing. It's also important to identify any tools, equipment uh, that the infected employee um, had used um, while they were on the job site um, and, and in any of the key areas on the job site where the where the person was located or that they spent a lot of time. Um, make sure that those areas are thoroughly disinfected based on what the CDC guidance is. Well, Sonia, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to, um, to answer some of these questions for us. That's all the time that we have today for this edition of Carolina's AGC BuilderCast. I'd like to remind all of our listeners that we are uh, posting a BuilderCast each week, so stay tuned for our next BuilderCast that will be published next week. And thank you all again for listening, and please stay safe and healthy during this COVID-19 outbreak. Everyone have a great day.